1: Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel. And this is part two of common changes most girls experience during puberty. Part one had Anita Sheffer join me to talk about most changes girls experience. And she's back again to talk about the body parts as well as the basics of the menstrual cycle and some questions that usually arise when children hear about the cycle.
2: So hi, Anita, thanks for being here again. Hi, thanks for having me again. This is great. I'm looking so forward to part two. Thank you. I'm so glad again. It's nice to
1: see you and hear your voice again. To start off, I'm going to go over the basics of what's considered the female reproductive system. And I'm going to start with the external area, which these days we call it as the vulva. Some people call it as the vagina, but that's the internal part. The vulva is the outside part, which is actually the labia. The labia are these inner and outer lips, that's a a phrase that we use, that actually protects the vaginal opening. Another part of the vulva is the clitoris, which is a sensitive part of the vulva. It's very small in size, kind of like a piece size that it feels like, but it actually extends more into the reproductive system. And that is located where the labia lips connect. Now, in this area, there are overall three openings. There's the opening of the urethra. The urethra is what takes the urine out of her body, which is a little above the vaginal opening. And that's the opening of the vagina where the menstrual fluids and a baby would be birthed if it's a vaginal birth. And then there's the anus. And that's where our feces comes out or our more concrete waste material. So these are the three openings in which for this area of the vulva, when a girl urinates or defecates, we recommend that she wipes from the front to the back. I know it might feel a little awkward at times, but we wipe from where the urine came out, the opening of the urethra, and then we wipe towards the back. So that's the outside, the vulva part. Then as we go into the vaginal opening, that's the vagina. In the vagina, there is the opening of the uterus, which is the cervix. And if somebody were to feel it, they put their finger into the vagina, it would feel like the tip of the nose. It's very similar in that feeling. And that cervix, that's where the menstrual lining will come out of. And also sperm can travel into to go find an egg to fertilize. So the cervix is the opening of the uterus and the uterus, it's approximately the size of the person's fist, but it's flat. Unless it's a little bloated because of having more lining go in there and blood for the menstrual cycle, as well as a pregnancy. In the uterus, it then spreads out to two typically two fallopian tubes. Most girls have two fallopian tubes, and those fallopian tubes help the eggs travel from the ovaries, which are located at the end part of these fallopian tubes. And at the end of the fallopian tubes are fimbria, they look like little fingers. And that's where the eggs that are released from the ovary go. So the ovaries, typically most girls have two and they're almond sized. Some people say almond sized. I say almond sized. And inside are the eggs that most girls are born with at birth. And they're born with about one to two million eggs. We can't see this with our physical eye. You have to use a a technical, like a microscope to see it. The amount of eggs go down as a girl grows, but typically as she reaches puberty, that's what begins to get released. Now we're going to go in the opposite direction of these body parts in which Anita is going to explain the menstrual cycle. Please note there are wonderful resources out there. They have actual visuals of these reproductive parts. One is kidshealth.org. And it will break down, it'll have a diagram, which is great to go over with a child about what part is what. In addition, three R's, which is the rights, respect, and responsibility associated with FOSSI, the future of sex education, they have some worksheets in their lesson plans for, I believe it's fourth, fifth, and sixth grade that you can actually download and use with a child to go over these things. So, Anita, do you mind talking about the menstrual cycle from the beginning?
2: Gladly. Yes. Yeah, so following what Lori has already shared with all of us, the process of menstruation, which is also known as a monthly period or a menarche, is just simply the regular discharge of blood and tissue from the uterus, it's a combination of blood and and mucus from the uterine lining that is shed every single month through the vagina. The first period usually begins somewhere between, believe it or not, the ages of nine and sixteen. And I know this is a, a huge gap between the ages, but the fact of the matter is that some. Young girls start very young, depending on uh, what other changes they've already experienced due to the surge of estrogen throughout their body. Some start a little bit later, perhaps because of uh, nutrition or lack thereof. It could be their athleticism, some things that we'll get into a little bit later on. But either way, just know that it can occur between these ages, And so, what will happen is about two weeks before getting a period or before menstruating, we experience something called ovulation. And as we said in part one, ovulation is the process by which a single egg is released from the ovary and makes its way into the fallopian tube, where one of two things will take place either it will just become a part of bodily fluids and the monthly bleeding, or if there were to be a sperm available to fertilize it, then fertilization could in fact take place in the fallopian tube. So let's just take the menstruation end of it and say that the egg is in fact not going to get fertilized. So two weeks after ovulation approximately, we will menstruate, we will start to see some spots of blood. And usually this occurs after several days of discharge on our underwear, as we spoke about earlier. When we begin menstruating, we, we do want to make sure that we have a product in place to capture the blood so that we not only feel more comfortable, but you know are able to keep clean during this time. Sometimes during menstruation, the blood will be very light and may remain that way through the entire cycle in, in which some girls are are very fortunate to have a very light period and barely know that it's there. No cramping, no bloating, just a simple light experience that they don't mind having happen every month. Unfortunately, there are others who will experience a very he- heavy period Where, you know, for the first three days, there is a lot of blood and there may be some cramping, there may be headaches and bloating, and just an overall uncomfortable experience, which can easily be alleviated with a heating pad, some hot tea, maybe even some ibuprofen if it gets to that point. You know, some people prefer to use some natural methods, some will go right for an over-the-counter medication to alleviate that discomfort.
1: And typically we say, if you're going to take any medicinal things over the counter, please ask a parent or other caregiver that that's okay for your body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, please, if you want a visual to better understand the menstrual cycle, there are some video clips out there. Certainly amaze.org has some videos on this as well as kidshealth.org. So to go over some questions that a lot of our students seem to ask when we talk about the menstrual cycle, and I'll ask some to Anita, Anita, feel free to ask me some. I would say the number one concern is this, say if I get my period and I'm not expecting it, what's your advice?
2: So my advice to young girls who are around the age that menstruation is going to begin is to keep... a a small bag or pouch with some items in their locker, in their bag, their backpack, you know, whatever it is that they're carrying around with them or that they're able to get to, so that in the event that something like this does happen at school or if they're out shopping with friends, they'll be prepared. In the event that they're not, The nurse's office and their health teacher always has a stash in their desk so that in the event that this does happen, they can just go and find them and, you know, we're more than happy to help them in those situations. There have been times where, you know, it's been completely unexpected and and a friend has stepped over with their sweatshirt, wrapped it around their waist and walked them down to the nurse's office and, you know, all is good in the world. It's not something to uh, be ashamed or upset about. You know, everyone's so used to this type of a situation. And again, it's very different than when we were kids. So,
1: yep. And depending upon who you are, certainly for your first menstrual cycle, a lot of girls do use to use pads because they're trying to get used to it and feeling comfortable with your body. And again, there'll be another episode regarding what products are available these days for menstrual cycles. For schools, most schools will offer a pad. I know Mm -hmm. when I was teaching, I would say to my students, listen, you can come to me anytime. And I was able to have a pad for them and nobody would even know if I was getting them one and I could be in the middle of a class.
2: That's how much we're used to it as a health teacher. It's true. It's true. I mean, it really is just a part of everyday conversation for us. And for the nurse, go
1: to the nurse. It doesn't matter if they're male, female. They know they're a medical professional and they are going to have supplies there. If the nurse's office is closed, you can also go to the front office. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, yeah, in the event that something happens and it's unexpected, those are just some good options for a young girl to have, you know, going along with some of the things that I mentioned Uh, you may hear the term or the acronym PMS. PMS stands for premenstrual syndrome. You know, we already discussed a few of the things that might take place when a girl is menstruating, but just to mention, in addition to abdominal or pelvic cramping, you may also experience some lower back pain. We mentioned bloating. You may also have some breast soreness. So this comes back to, you know, some of the things that we were talking about when puberty first begins. And it all, it all comes back to estrogen. When we first start releasing estrogen, these are the things that occur in the body. And so this is something that is going to take place on a monthly basis. And so you will be used to having that happen. You'll recognize that this is definitely a sign or a symptom of my period. And you'll experience this every single month until you stop getting your period, which can be um, anywhere between the ages of 45 and 55, give or take.
1: For those PMS or those menstrual feelings, Anita said it earlier, I'll say it again. Some people feel them, some people don't. There are some that have more menstrual cramps. Basically, menstrual cramps are your uterus trying to get rid of that menstrual lining. Anita, do you know how much is actually released
2: during a period? It seems like so much <laughs> at the time, you know, I've heard so many young girls talk about, oh, I'm, I'm bleeding profusely, I'm hemorrhaging, but that's not what's happening. It just seems like it is because you're not used to that happening. But in actuality, it really is just a couple of tablespoons each month, maybe a half a cup at best. And that gets replenished you know, every 24 hours we replenish any lost blood. So you don't feel that that's how much you've actually lost. For
1: those of you that are like, well, I have to go to phys ed or I have sports. You can let a teacher know that you're not feeling that comfortable. Please realize if you're doing something like yoga, you know, that can actually help relieve some of the menstrual cramps. Although we don't usually recommend you do the the inversion, I think that's what it's called when you're upside down in some ways. But some stretching, some gentle stretching can be helpful. Yet, please don't use that trying to get out of phys ed class. Some of us are athletes and we have this menstrual cycle. And I've even done triathlons when I've had my period. So you can still be doing things, moving your body, taking care of your body with aerobic exercise
2: and aerobic, etc. Absolutely, and people who do exercise regularly and or are athletic, do claim that there are less cramps as a result of that. You know, the more movement, the more oxygen flowing throughout the body, you're going to feel better overall from head to toe. And your menstrual cycle is no exception to that. So it would be good to even increase the amount of um, activity that you have to try to avoid cramping altogether. And very, very important, this is a time when you want to make sure that you increase your water intake as well. It's very important to stay hydrated anyway, but during menstruation, you know, you want to keep the toxins going through the body and exiting properly. So the more water you drink, uh, the happier your body will be for sure.
1: Yeah, if you're dehydrated (laughs) or if you're drinking a lot of caffeinated products, that doesn't help this process. To have you be as liquefied naturally as possible is really great. Some other things that kids actually ask include, say, my age. Like, am I supposed to get my period at a certain age?
2: So the ages vary. And uh, again, you know, genetics can be a factor in talking with your mom if she is available or a grandparent an older sibling, you know, any of the females in your life, if, if they're available to you biologically, if not, you know, just recognizing the physical symptoms that you're experiencing and keeping track of them up until the time that you do begin menstruating. So, you know, again, starting as young as eight or nine with what we mentioned in part one, the growth spurt, the pubic hair, the breast buds. Et cetera, the discharge. Discharge really is a good indication that ovulation has started. So once monthly discharge occurs, you, you can kind of understand that, you know, yeah, my period's going to be coming real soon. As we said, it could be as late as uh, 16 or 17, depending again also on genetics, on nutrition, on um, athletics. You know, there are many girls who are hardcore into certain sports who don't menstruate until later in the teen years. These are things that kids ask a lot of questions about as well. I know, you know, in, in the past, I've had young girls who were gymnasts or ice skaters, ballerinas in particular, who claim that they didn't get their periods until, you know, even into college. Some physicians will, you know, will, will feel certain ways about that.
1: Certainly somebody, if they haven't gotten their period by the age, 16, 17, typically we would say, we recommend you talk to a medical professional so they can ensure that you're a later for getting it. And then you and your medical professional can make the best decisions about how to handle something if there is a concern. Right.
2: Right. Absolutely. Now, do you remember your first period? Very well. Oh, you do? Do you mind sharing? Oh my gosh. Very like it was yesterday. Yeah. I was uh, in the fifth grade. I was 10 years old and I was, believe it or not. I mean, this, this really (laughs) talk about the seventies. I was, uh, I was outside and it was definitely the summer because I was wearing shorts and I was hula hooping of all (laughs) things, hula hooping away and uh, something just didn't feel right. And I felt kind of like a spurt or a, a, more of a gush, I would say. And, you know, I lived in an apartment building, so it wasn't that I could just run into the back door of the house. I had to, you know, wait for the elevator and and get all the way upstairs. I went into the bathroom and I thought I had some kind of an accident because it was a darkish brown in color. And I remember thinking, what on earth? And my mom knocked on the door and I was so lucky that she spoke to me about this because she saw that, you know, I was exhibiting all of the signs and symptoms. And she said, Oh, I'll be right back. And she ran down the hallway and went into the cabinet and took out this box that said Kotex on it. (laughs) And she handed it to me through the bathroom and talked to me through the door telling me, you know, I think you got your period. It kind of, you know, went from there. And sure enough, that's what it was. And I remember, um, I remember being upset because... I was young, but, you know, she talked me through it. And, uh, yeah, so there we were, 10 years old.
1: Now, when you say gush, because I know I've been asked by students, like, is it like a faucet? It just comes pouring out of you. And it's not like you put on a faucet and does. But you said the word gush. It f- you had a feeling that something came out. Yeah,
2: something. It felt like something came out. But I just because I was unfamiliar with it, I wasn't sure exactly where it was coming from. It just felt different than urine. I knew that it wasn't, it just wasn't the same feeling or consistency.
1: And it stayed in your underwear, right? It didn't go leaking out from that. Although if if you're not wearing a product for menstruation, then yeah, it can go more than your underwear into your other clothing and something Mm -hmm. like that, especially if it's a heavier day. Now, what's funny, Anita, is I... Don't necessarily remember my first. It was later than you. And I know it was more sixth or seventh grade. But I remember thinking I had my period, in which I went to my mom and I showed her my underwear and I said, I think I have my period. And she said to me, Lori, no, you need to wipe better. So that whole thing that I said about when you wipe after going to the bathroom, you go from the front to the back. <laughs> I didn't do that. So I learned the hard way, listeners, you know. Um, and luckily, you know, nothing was, was wrong. You know, sometimes if you have that back to forward motion, you can put some of your remnants from feces into the vaginal opening, which can create some kind of infection. But that's why we go from the front to the back and that didn't happen. But then I remember, I don't remember my first cycle itself though.
2: Yeah, I uh, I definitely remember. And I remember from day one, having really bad cramps every okay. single month. And I also had a very lengthy menstrual cycle every single month. And that's just the way it was. You know, I dealt with it. Uh, thankfully, I was very active. So it, it didn't stop me, it didn't hold me back. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely things to discuss in a later episode about uh, those factors for sure. Yeah. Lots to share there.
1: And certainly that, you know, as you're younger, your first menstrual cycles, your first year are going to be different from a couple of years. There sometimes you might have more cramping, sometimes you don't. And it depends upon where you are in life. And again, like Anita said, your habits and talk to a, a trusted caregiver regarding that for yourself. Yes. Another thing I want to go back to, you said it about before you actually get your period, some people have PMS, which includes moodiness. Now I'll admit to this. And hopefully my partner does not listen to this episode. (laughs) I will admit that before I have an actual period, I'm a little off. I'm a little bit more sensitive. And that's partly because right before you get your period, your hormones drop, that estrogen drops. So your body's like, okay, what's going on? So I'll admit
2: to that moodiness. Do you remember that too? Or do you have that? I don't have it anymore, but I do remember having it. And Sensitive is a good choice of words. I remember being very, very weepy. And, you know, if that was happening, I knew that two to three days later, I would be getting my period for sure. Maybe even sooner than that, because the, the weepies were a huge indication that the estrogen had dropped. Okay. And, you know, you could you could say something like, wow, your hair looks great. What do you mean? What are you talking about? How dare you tell me my hair looks great? So, you know, you really were a little uh, left of center there as far as the moods were concerned. So, absolutely. And part of that, I mean, that's all of us have
1: some, we all have stress. Stress is a part of life. You know, we're born, our first breath is stressful, and that's a positive. And the reality is we're going to have different types of stress and distress at certain points. Certainly to note that when you have a, a menstrual cycle and you're feeling a little off, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm just not in my favorite place today, or I'm feeling a little off because there's something going on with your body. And until you're more used to it, you might have to apologize at times if you get a little more sensitive or have different coping strategies that you learn.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's important, too, for parents to recognize when this is taking place to maybe, you know, cut some slack to your young girls when uh, they are moody or, you know, maybe answering back a little bit more, snapping. Obviously, you know, you don't want to allow them to be disrespectful to you in any way, but just understanding that, you know, this is, this is a big change and this is what it could be all about and not to take it personally.
1: To certainly check in with your child. And hold them accountable if they say something hurtful, right. yet to have a little leeway with that. Now I have another question, and I'm bopping around because I'm thinking of all the questions that people usually ask when we talk about menstrual cycles and periods. So the bleeding on the underwear, are you okay to admit that when you've had your period, you've gotten some blood on your underwear and you wash it and you rewear them? It's not like they're destroyed, correct? Mm-hmm.
2: No, no, they're not destroyed at all unless you had a particularly heavy period or, you know, you couldn't get to a bathroom and, um, oh, I don't know, I'm just, you know, just an example, I'm thinking of maybe you're on a long ride, you're on a car ride. You know, for me, it was the subway. <laughs> so, okay. so I'm thinking about, you know, getting it on the subway and still having a, an extended period of time before I got to my class and um, was able to change, you know, in which case there might be some staining. And so, you know what? Y- you throw them out and you put on a new clean pair of underwear. It's no big deal. Some girls have period underwear. <laughs> That's Where what i had. Yeah. You know, those are the ones I wear during my menstrual cycle because yes, I yeah, know they're I'm the be some stains on it. That's right. They're not your favorite ones. You know, they're kind of a little worn and you keep them in one part of the drawer and, you know, you have your, my more favorite underwear on the other side. And yeah, we all have our period underwear. It's so funny yeah. that you should say that.
1: And then if you get your period and you don't have any supplies, what we typically do is we will, if we're in the bathroom, we get some of that toilet paper and we make a little bit of a pile, yeah. like a little cushion, and we put it on the inside of our underwear until we're able to get a, a pad or a tampon or something like that. So we have a little yeah. bit of something there.
2: Yeah, and anything, any little bit helps. And usually toilet paper is the way to go. Absolutely. The other thing I realize as when I go
1: into the woman's room that if I do have a period or if somebody does, we usually look out for one another because if someone's like, anybody have anything I can have? That happens at work and you might have a little supply there. Actually, there are some schools that will have supplies. I know at the university in the bathroom that are available to students. They're typically more pads, I think, than tampons, but it depends upon the age group.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they're no different than Band-Aids, honestly, you know, you have a stash of Band-Aids on hand as well as feminine hygiene products. Absolutely. So if
1: you have something in your knapsack, your backpack, that's okay. You know, we sometimes have other products in there, some soap, if you use an antiperspirant, if you choose to, and that's personal products. We all have stuff like that, just kind of like chapstick, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, can you think of other questions children typically ask about
2: the menstrual cycle? One always is, you know, of course, how long am I going to have it? I always explain to my students that it would be until something called menopause. And, you know, that word is exactly how it sounds. There's a pause or um, a, an ending or a stop to the, uh, the menses or the menstrual cycle. That sounds like a long time from now. And, and it is, you know, it is. You, you are going to be of childbearing years for a very extended period of time, even if you never choose to have a child. You know they always want to know how long they're going to have it. Another question is what happens if I get it and then I skip a few months? That's a big one. You know, there's some fear involved. Um, why you know, why did I get it? Why is it now gone? For the first year or so, your menstrual cycle, does need to get on track and become what we call regular. So what will happen is, you know, once you do become a regular menstruator, you'll keep a calendar and you'll be able to see, oh, look at that. I, I have what we call a regular cycle. Um, we never use the word normal because, you know, normal, what's normal? Normal is different for everybody. So a regular cycle would be something that takes place every, I like to stretch it every 27 to 31 days depending you know 28 to 30 days is like a general good amount of time you get it once a month but in the beginning you may skip a month or two and it's because your cycle is regulating itself so you may think that you started menstruating but you may not actually be menstruating just yet you might be staining and then another couple of months will go by and you'll see some staining again The staining is a combination of discharge and menstrual blood or fluid. It's light, really, really light. So it's kind of like it it teases you almost like I'm going to get it, but then it doesn't quite happen. And so this can take place for quite some time until, like I said, you're regular and getting it on a monthly basis. Now, at this
1: point, something that I advise to our listeners, that if you're looking for a way to guide this conversation about things that happen to most girls, I highly recommend that you check out the Talk Puberty app. There's a section that is titled questions about most girls. And when you look at the questions, it actually helps you guide the conversation of, okay, we're going to talk about basic body changes. And then we're going to talk about hair growth and perhaps shaving as well as then the menstrual cycle and products to use. Please check that out again. It helps guide you. And which, Anita, you mentioned that you've actually used the app. Yes.
2: Yeah, and I find it to be uh, extremely user friendly. Uh, definitely something that can be used between parent and young girl. Uh, it can be used in a health class. I've actually had um, some people ask whether or not you know I use it with my students, and I would say absolutely, depending on the age group and. The maturity level, I would say, of the class overall, especially if they're going to be co-ed. Please look at tools. These are some. There are others that exist to help you have
1: the conversations. And remember to check out some of those websites so you can have some visuals for children. Because there's nothing like having a little bit of a drawing that you can refer to to have children, as well as yourself, better understand how things work. Before we end part two of common things most girls experience during puberty... Anita, do you have any other words of advice or comments to share?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, again, thank you for having me for both part one and part two of this series. I I really appreciate it. And I was so excited and so looking forward to having conversations about these topics, really, for all young girls out there you know just just be yourselves just understand that everything that you're experiencing physically and emotionally you know it's all normal and we've all been there as much as you may look at some of us adults and think that uh, there's no way they ever could have experienced what we have we've all yeah. been there and we're all here to help you good luck to all of you
1: thank you Anita and thank you again so much for helping out with these two episodes i'm sure we'll be having you as a guest again in the future And I thank the listeners for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please go to pubertyprof.com and a comment box should appear or there's some pages on that site that will allow you to provide comments. I, again, thank you for listening. I hope you have a happy and healthy day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast